You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. I'm really excited to share it with you. But before we do, I just need to tell you about something that we're doing because it's pretty cool and it's pretty important. And it's helping out some organizations that I think could really use the help right now. As you know, Minneapolis has been kind of the center for all the protests and everything that's going on right now in the United States. And it's been hit really hard in a variety of ways. But there's two organizations there that are doing some work that directly in Minneapolis that I think really is benefiting the community and those that live there. And I just wanted to throw my hat in the ring and help out in a small way. So here's what we're doing. I'm giving away a Fender MTG tube tremolo pedal that they just barely came out with, and it sounds tremendous. I'll probably be making a demo with it this week, and you can check that out. But there, in the meantime, there are other demos out there if you're curious. It's a really great pedal, and it really is tube-powered, and it's got a lot of options. It's really great. But enough on that. You can look all that up later. So the way you enter to win this stuff is you can go to one of these two organizations or both, and I'll put the links in the show notes. The first one is the Legal Rights Center, and their website is thelegalrightscenter.org. Real simple. And it is a law firm that provides free legal services focusing on juveniles of color. I think that's really important. You know, a lot of people don't have access to high-quality legal help, and you never know when you're going to need it. And it, it can really impact people negatively through no fault of their own. So I think that's an organization doing some really, really great work. The other organization is the Lake Street Council. Their website is welovelakestreet.com. Again, I'll put that in the show notes. And I'll just read this little blurb here. The Lake Street Council, a 501c3, will utilize 100% of funds to help rebuild Lake Street, starting with direct support to small businesses and nonprofits to help them rebuild their storefronts, reopen their businesses, and serve their neighborhoods. I don't see how anyone could think that that is not a good thing. So if you go to... Donate to either of those two organizations and then send your receipt to pedalgiveaway at gmail.com. Again, this is all going to be in the show notes. So you can donate to one of those two organizations, then send it to pedalgiveaway at gmail.com. If you give to both, yeah, you can get double entries, sure. But you just need to make sure you send that in two separate emails. I'm literally going to scroll through that inbox with my eyes closed to pick the winner of this thing. So send it. Two separate emails if you end up giving to both organizations, which I would suggest that you do because you help more people and you get extra entries. So why not? So yeah, again, we love lakestreet.com, the legalrightscenter.org. Both those links are in the show notes. Send your receipts to pedalgiveaway at gmail.com. And I will be selecting a winner this coming Saturday. So as this episode drops Monday, it'll be this Saturday is when I'm selecting the winner. So go do that. All the while, you can be listening to this chat that I had with Emily and Andrew from the Get Offset podcast. All right, let's go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Tone Mob podcast, the show about guitar tone and people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Wylan, and with me today, I have Andrew and Emily from the Get Offset podcast. What's going on? Oh, hi. What's up, dude? You know, 
just chilling in the shred shed, talking into a microphone as per usual. How about you guys? I'm so jealous you have a shred shed. So jealous you have a shred shred shed. It's uh, it is my f- most treasured piece of gear in a lot of ways. It's my fortress of solitude. Maybe, <laughs> maybe someday I'll have a she shed. That's also a there shed. You go. A she shred shed. Well, that's a lot. She sheds. She sheds. She shreds. She shreds on the sick shreds by the sh- I shred. I don't know. This is by the shred. Shore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it, it was uh, a big you, project. Did you know there's a? I love tongue twisters. Yeah, but uh, yeah, big project. I imagine. Yeah, we we talked about it a little bit on episode. Actually, we. I guess we shouldn't just like just pretend like we weren't just talking for an hour plus on your podcast because we were not not to pull back the curtain too much. But we were we're double podcasting today. Marathon. uh, What? Yep. Barry, Barry from Grez Guitars. We we got into the actual like construction of the shred shed and he is a, you know, an actual like acoustical consultant. And so he had a lot of insight into all that stuff. So that was pretty fun. Nice. But. Nice. Maybe maybe next time uh, when, when travel becomes a thing again. My, my band plays in Portland quite a bit. I would love to like come down and hang out at some For point. Sure. Yeah, you can come in here and nerd yeah. out. There's pedals and guitars and yes. all kinds of stuff. To blinky lights and knobs and a piano. You can spend hours out here, trust me. <gasps> and there's In-N-Out. So oh. you've got me just hook, line, and sinker across the board. Wait, does Portland have an In-N-Out? That's southern Portland, a uh, southern Oregon. It's Kaiser, it? which is about, it's about what? I don't know, a 45-minute drive from here, depending on traffic. Oh, that's not From bad. where I'm at that's up here bad. in Seattle, it's exactly three hours and 27 minutes without traffic from my door to their drive-thru. And then you'll be in line for two and a half hours. So worth yeah, it. you'll be waiting on your, and then you'll be waiting on your order for like forty-five ish minutes. Hey, now In and Out's fast. They're incredibly efficient. In and Out, I've been there multiple times. It's never been really? fast. I've I've had pretty good luck with yeah. it. Once That's the like order the come in, it was about In and Out ten fifteen minutes. Dude, I've been on like uh, uh, at like kind of a late hour, and I didn't feel like there were a ton of people there. It took me forty-five minutes to get like two cheeseburgers and some animal style fries or whatever. That's a bummer. It was, and you know what? And then I had to pay the Uber to get there and the Uber back. It was awful. And that's what I like to call money well spent. All of that to say, Blake, I, I really can't <laughs> wait to visit you at some point. Yeah, it'll be a good time. I I mean, we, I really like In-N-Out. Uh, I'm a big fan of it. But I also, you know, we've got some better options just right close by. So, yeah, Portland's got good food. Yeah, it's my... <laughs> I, I was I I will never leave. I I the food, I've got gear and I've got food. I'm I'm set. I'm good. I don't need anything else. I will. And this is the part of the show yeah, where Andrew wonders city. to himself, did he really just get away with inviting himself over to Blake's place? Yeah, probably. I mean, whatever. Come on down. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> so, let's get into this a little bit. You know, you guys have had a podcast for quite a while now and had, you know, we've had some of the same guests on. And it's a little bit of a different, it's a different little bit of a different vibe, like less of a straight ahead interview and more of a topic based show, but it's still all around guitars and gear and all that good stuff that we all love. But what I don't know about either of you is where'd you come from? What's your superhero origin stories? When did you start playing and how did the podcast come into existence? 
Oh man, that's a lot of questions at once. Ladies first. I I I, I got to think on this one. <laughs> so um, I started playing guitar uh, when I was eight. I got that's I got my first guitar for Christmas when I was eight, and there are pictures to prove it, including me in a very very handsome red bathrobe that I was wearing apparently when we opened gifts that day. But I I really started playing guitar hardcore when I was ten. Uh, basically as soon as I could get my hands to fit around the neck of a guitar. My mom had this old 1970 Epiphone uh, acoustic guitar. So she gave me my first guitar lessons and uh, we had a family friend who played guitar and I was just hooked. Ever since I was 10, I've basically been very serious about playing, um, playing instruments and, and guitar. Um, and it's, I, I, I I don't think I knew how much it would impact my life when I started playing, and I am positive my parents had no idea how much. But basically, I, I play guitar because my mom had one. Yeah, and that's how I that's how I got started. How about you, Andrew? I um I'm just gonna come right out the gates here, and I'm gonna admit I didn't even start my musical journey as a guitar player. I started as a drummer. And I know saying that right out the gates means that everyone's going to judge me and my, my intelligence levels. I'm totally kidding. Um, started as a drummer and because a neighbor two doors down from us growing up the street that I grew up on, uh, played drums. And I remember just, he would play in his garage, no soundproofing. You could hear it three streets over. And I just like, that sounds awesome. I want to play that really dig it. And so we ended up talking to the neighbor and my parents uh, agreed to let me do lessons with him. Really sweet guy. He ended up giving me free lessons for years. Just came over once a week. Um, and after about a year or so, my, my parents bought me my first drum kit. I was able to start practicing on something other than books that were just laying around, um, books, pillows, anything I could get my hands on. I just had a pair of sticks. That was my only gear for like the first year of my journey. Um, but fast forward a few years, I've been playing drums for a little bit. And, uh, in high school, I did three things. One, I was a student Two, I was an athlete and three, I was uh, a musician. I played for, uh, like the, the, I forget what the class is called, but like the classical orchestra. And I also was the drummer for the high school jazz band. And then as an athlete, I ran cross country Now my sophomore year, I ran cross country so hard and just refused to take break days. I didn't let myself rest. I just, I overtrained and ended up with stress fractures in both ankles from just training so hard. And I found myself going, well, I can't play drums because both legs are wrapped up for months. And I just was going nuts from a combination of like, I can't play music and I can't be the athlete that I thought I was going to be. What do I do now? And my dad played guitar. And so I just kind of grabbed my dad's acoustic and disappeared into my room for a few months and came out the other end with a couple of chords under my belt and Next thing I know, a couple of years later, I'm buying my first electric guitar. I'd fallen in love with the idea of that. And then I started getting effects pedals and that just became a rabbit hole that I fell headfirst right into. And I, no shame. I absolutely, I love drums. I love guitar. I love music as a whole and all of the equipment and the technology and the, the part of me that just loves to fidget is just completely head over shoulders in love with this whole, this whole ecosystem. Head over shoulders. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. Wow. You just keep with it, man. <laughs> so where did you two like get together and decide like, we're going to start a podcast. That seems like a thing to do. 
Yeah. So Andrew and I are both based out of the C- the greater Seattle area. Um, I'm actually in Seattle. I don't know if Andrew's mailing address is technically Seattle. It, is, it might be now. It's not technically, but I'm like, I'm pretty close to downtown relatively. You're closer to downtown. Uh, no, uh, I'd say we're probably equidistant now. But uh, so Andrew and I are both in Seattle, but we connected through just the gear groups. I remember, I think we first talked, we were talking about whiskey because I was working a whiskey event um, in, in one of the groups. But as uh, originally, Get Offset had three hosts, and the other one was Zachary Ryan Saucier. Saucier? How does Saucier. he say it? Uh, so you're you're, you're okay, missing a step here. Originally, way. I am. Originally, originally it was just it was, originally it was just Zach and I. We we're going to start a podcast, and we we're looking for a third host. And Andrew, uh, Zach was in the worship guitar sound group with you, and he talked to me about how you'd be good for the third host. And that is oh, we're skipping details. How... We're skipping details already. Oh, what 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 friggin' details are we right. skipping? Obviously, we're we're doing great. We don't I know. need we don't, we don't even need podcast host we don't even remember at all. Time is but a figment of our imaginations. No, no all right. So, I I am an ad. Uh, administrator wow. over the worship guitar sounds group. We got about 15 K members and Zach and I, uh, once upon a time, we're both admin of that group. And he reached out to me and he's like, Hey, can I interview you for my podcast? To which I said, you have a podcast. I don't think he never, I, we remember this differently. I don't think, I don't think the intention was ever for you to be just like an interviewee. I think it was always a co-host and maybe just that got lost in translation. Well, somewhere. he, he must've played it off really well. Cause I feel like if you had asked me, Hey, do you want to host a podcast? I would have been like, um, what? That's out of left. Oh, he said he want he wanted to, he asked you if you wanted to be on the podcast, didn't he? He he left it relatively vague, and so I just assumed like, okay, yeah. cool, we'll do an episode. I don't know what you want to talk about, but sure, why not? We'll 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 jump into this, and and he's like, well, we don't really have a podcast yet, and I was like, okay, that seems random. Why are you asking me to guest on a podcast that doesn't exist? And I next thing I know it, I'm a host. We're building out the idea of what the podcast is, uh, coming up with the idea for the name, what we, what kind of bent we want to take with our topics, uh, what our values are as a group of folks. And just, it was one of those, I didn't intend to get into this. It kind of just happened and I didn't fight it. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's very true. Um, yeah. So originally Zach was on the podcast with us ultimately, uh, just because of difficulty with it's so hard to schedule three people right oh especially zach's in a different Um, time zone he's based out of the midwest and that just yeah long story short ended up being just emily and i after the first couple of episodes and we've kind of just ran with it since yeah it's been fun it's been a trip what got you guys to start like i know you you primarily talk to each other but you have started getting more and more guests on When, when did that process start and who did you first interview I guess it's not really an interview. Well, but we all, you know what I mean. Oh, so yeah. this is an epic story. We always wanted to have, yeah, we always wanted to have co-hosts, but I was always of the mindset that I wanted us to have maybe co-hosts on half the episodes and just be Andrew and I for the other half because um, we didn't want to play the game of live and die by who we had on the podcast, especially early on. Yeah, I that's think, that is challenging. <laughs> I'm here to tell oh, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm, and I'm sure you know all about that. But to answer the question, like when we first got a uh, a, a an interview going is actually months before we launched the podcast. And this is a tale of an epic road trip day. We're based out of Seattle. That was so fun. That was so, so fun. much fun. So we actually had 
We should do it we again. We had two <laughs> guests on our show before the show had even started. We drove from Seattle all the way out to the Tri-Cities area and interviewed Rick yeah. Matthews in his studio. I was... For Matthews' oh, sweet. I was yeah. sitting there like... I was getting full on imposter syndrome. I had followed, been following Rick's work. I was like, the, he does awesome, like really awesome stuff. I love at that point. Like I just was in love with his reverb. He had just, he had just released the astronomer V2 also. Right. And so I'm sitting here like, I'm, what am I doing here? I've never done a podcast. All right, we'll just go ahead and go for it. So we, we did the interview. Um, and then right after that, we drove out to Yakima, which is where Curtis Lamberton of Lambertone's, uh, pickups is at, and we did an interview at in his home. Uh, he was they're both so gracious to have us, and and it and has such has such a great cat that guy. And then we drove back, and it <laughs> oh, it was all in one day. So it's like six Emily hours and her husband Rick picked me up at six a.m. and I didn't get dropped off till after midnight. That's a big day. That is that is intense. But it was so well worth it. And I think it was during that trip. I'm like, this is it. I love this. This is awesome. I. I, I don't know how why I haven't been doing this sooner. I think it's kind of like when you're dating somebody and you know that your first road trip together is going to be like the first big test of your relationship. And then if that works out fine, you're like, okay, that means we can endure stressors together. Except that was like our first episode. And I know, but it's kind of like, the, it felt like the sort of the same sort of energy right. for me. Like, how is this going to go? Am I going to want to murder him? Like, what's going to happen? Yeah. But it was all chill. And we, I think we have, you know, like, a good sort of like podcast chemistry. We can hang out for like several hours, apparently without hating each other, all important things. And, you know, doing a project with somebody. Yeah, no, it was a good time. I think it's really funny that we ended up recording the pilot after we had done those two episodes as well. That's it, oh, it's God, funny looking back. Right. I'm like, why did we not record? <laughs> like we hadn't done an episode before and we're sitting in Rick Matthews studio going, all right, so how do we start this? <laughs> what now? Yeah. Uh, we figured it out. We figured and, it out. It was it was kind of it's always like when, when like when I was filming my first gear demos, I'm like, well, this is not gonna be perfect. So let's start with the biggest thing we can start with. Yeah, it's right. such a it's such a weird this whole industry is so weird. It's funny that you mentioned Rick, because like Rick and I kind of stepped into the industry and it's weird. I still find it, you know, Andrew and I we discussed this at NAM. Like the, you mentioned imposter syndrome earlier. I've not, I still haven't gotten over that. And I don't know that I ever will. It's, <laughs> I always feel like I'm like, what am I doing here? I'm just some dude. But, uh, I think that, I think you would call that just like at least have, having at least a modicum of humility. I, I don't know. It's, I don't know if it ever will go, will go away. Maybe I should hope that it doesn't, but, uh, I don't know. It's, it's a weird, it's a weird space for me. It's but a Rick is a, an interesting one that, that you brought up because, I did some of my first stuff with him too. And we were both kind of kicking in the doors on the industry around the same time. I remember the first time I met Rick was he would just barely started his brand. And he was at the Tacoma, uh, like a Tacoma guitar store, uh, show that, and I just happened to be in town for some training for my job at the time. And I was like, I'm going to go check out this guitar show. And uh, oh hi, I'm Rick. Blah blah blah. And then we then we like didn't see each other again for like a year. And then we were we were periscoping in Chris Benson's shop. Oh, periscope! Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, we were periscoping in in Chris Benson's shop, and it was a mess. But we did our best. Uh, 
<laughs> it's and I was still like, what am I doing? What this whole thing is? What am I doing? But it's interesting that we we both kind of started with Rick. He's a he's a great dude. He's a great dude. He's incredibly yeah. generous. Uh, both him and Curtis really had no reason other than just to be nice to let us into their homes and let us kick off a show that had no credibility, had no listener base at that point. They just like, sure, we'll take you for an afternoon and like literally into your like, let me send you my address. I've never met you before. And I can't say <laughs> that's really should be a winning strategy for getting to know someone. You're like, hey, what's your address? But they're just, they're so kind and generous. I couldn't have picked a couple of better people to have kicked off the show with. Um, I just, it will be forever grateful for the hospitality that they both showed. And I think that just is, this show often is a love letter to the guitar industry. But I think that's just, this business attracts for the most part, there's definitely some bad apples, obviously, but for the most part, I think it attracts a certain type of person. And that type of person is usually pretty chill, at least in the effects pedals world. Yeah. I can't, I can't, (laughs) there are definitely bad apples in the, in the music industry, like as a whole, but I think the people who get into this, like with the understanding of there's not a lot of money in this, usually pretty great people. Yeah. I mean, I remember like, some of my first episodes, I was like, I wonder what happens if I call up Keeley Electronics and try to talk to Robert. And turns out what happens when you do that is you you get to talk to Robert and uh, he he's like, podcast, what's a podcast? I'm like, oh, it's like a radio show on the internet. And he's like, sure, I'll do it. When do you want to do it? And I was like, <laughs> and I remember like driving to work and one of my good friends worked with me there at the time. And I was like, dude, I'm interviewing Robert Keeley later. He's like, you're doing what? <laughs> like, this doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, I know it doesn't make any sense, but you know, uh, that's just, I've, I've only been told no, like a couple of times. Almost everyone has always said mm. yes. And again, it was like before the show had any listeners or any reason why they would say yes. So thanks to, everyone who gave us podcasters a chance, right? Oh, yeah. totally. And also thanks to Emily for giving me a chance. You know, it's, it, it, it might not always be apparent listening to our show, but we're actually very different people and we don't always agree on this. <laughs> <laughs> I say that with tons of sarcasm, by the way, but we are very, very different people. And she's put up with me and uh, definitely appreciative of that on that front as well. Thank you. I'm not the easiest person to deal with. <laughs> no, but like in all seriousness, like we come from very different backgrounds in the music industry. We come we do. Uh, from very different perspectives for our personal, religious, political beliefs. I mean, and so the ability for us to be able to interface and have intelligent conversations about this is really predicated on this level of, of respect. respect. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> And cats. Oh, I got mine. I just scooped her up. Say hi, Carrie. Sorry, she's just looking around. Yeah, I'm just going to pet her for a while. Sorry. Ignore me. Why are you both on mute? I didn't mean to be on mute, and I was talking about your cat. Okay. I just realized that. Oh, I was yeah. here trying to be my cat's uh, professional, and I was the opposite of that. My cat's name is Princess Carrie Fisher. She's adopted. Don't tell her. Well, I would assume she was adopted. That could that you'd have some explaining <laughs> uh, to do if that was not the case. Adopt, adopt, adopt. Don't show. There you go. 
as they say. I, I would like to. I, yeah. I would love to be able to say something like charitable about why I was on mute, or like, oh, I was. I totally talking about. I, sorry, I was just taking a swig of my beer. <laughs> oh, now you're drinking mm, beer. Yeah, beer. I was drinking coffee for a podcast earlier, and then in typical COVID nineteen quarantine fashion, uh, I switched oh. immediately, like just directly one after the other into beer. Yeah. Is it a coffee beer? I'm drinking. It's not. I'm drinking a Firestone 805, which fun fact is the zip code or the area code I grew up in. There you go. Oh, nice. love, love that. So you said you guys come from very different backgrounds. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, I'm just a little Midwestern liberal, liberal girl. I went to a, um, a college where I studied music business in Nashville, and I worked in the music industry for a number of years. Uh, actually, I've never, I've really never stopped working in the music industry in some facet. Most of that has been in live events, but I've moved it kind of away from like live events, selling ticket stuff to more into gear, into being an artist, into freelance writing for musical publications like She Shreds Magazine, the Fretboard Journal, and uh, Reverb.com. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of me in a very very broad stroke and then in um, a very different vein i'm from a church background uh, i still i still go to church but I, I mean that's been the majority of what my experience is with playing uh, my undergrad degree so i actually have a bachelor's degree in practical theology i studied to be a pastor i'm not currently working as a pastor but that's what i i studied to be um, in undergrad and it just I grew up playing in churches. I that's just kind of what I do. So I'm very tied into the the praise and worship community. Uh, I mentioned earlier that I'm an ad administrator over at Worship Guitar Sounds, and it's it's a very different aspect of the industry than say Nashville is in a lot of ways. Um, and then politically, I like to joke that I'm. I mean, I'm sorry. Nashville's very very CCM though. I, I've not, I've never been to Nashville, and so I guess that's what I'm trying to say in terms of we've got very different experiences. I went to, I've been to a lot of small and medium sized churches and been plugged in that way with my music experience. I was in a metalcore band when I was in college. <laughs> Emily does not dig that style of music, and I, I tend to be into the heavier kind of stuff. Uh, my and man. Politi politically speaking, I like to joke that I'm a recovering conservative. Um, to which people often give me like some like really strange furrowed eyebrows of like, oh, well, then you hate concert. Like, no, 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 no. Uh, and I just like to say that in the sense of I was raised on um, on a pretty strong diet of Fox News. My dad was in the military and it was just kind of the world that I grew up in. And that's how I the lens in which I viewed the world. And now that I've grown up and kind of moved out on my own, I see things a little bit differently now. And I, I like to it's just the perspective of where I'm coming from tends to be uh, very much a, this is what I knew as a kid. This is what I know as an adult. And the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah. So. I feel like, uh, I feel like we all kind of take that journey, right? I used to, you know, I hate to be the, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, like the stereotype, but I used to be like, I know how the world works when I was, you know, a teenager. And uh, clearly I did not know how the world worked because I have, substantially changed many of my viewpoints from that time to now which i think is what you what most people probably should do if you're you're growing i i don't know i maybe that's not accurate maybe somebody's got does have it all figured out but i haven't met that person yet 
And neither have I. And so that's kind of just the posture I've taken is I'm constantly questioning the assumptions that I I have about my worldview and about how I view other people and political religious beliefs Uh, just across the board is I know what I was raised to believe. Is that rooted in reality or is that just a tradition that I was that I kind of just clung to? And so that's that's uh, and that's also how I approach our podcast in a lot of different ways is. I it will share what I think, and I'm very open. I've been shut down by a couple of guests who have been like, "No, no, no you sit down and listen to me." Uh, I think one, of, like Louise. I was going to say Louise, Louise, <laughs> Louise was not. Louise and I both were like, "Hey, wait a second. <laughs> uh, Louise put me in my place, and uh, Louise from Dwarfcraft Devices, right. that is for all those. And I, I'm okay with that. And that's generally the posture that I take is I, I want to listen to what other people have to say, not to say, and, and I know we got into this conversation talking about ways that Emily and I are different. I'm not saying that she's not that way as well, but that gives you an idea of like the very different backgrounds that Emily and I have coming into this. And so that gives us, I think that gives us a, a lot of diversity in the way and ability to kind of banter points back and forth. Since you guys have such different approaches and life, you know, like, I guess just, you're just way different. Do you guys approach gear differently? I don't know. Do we? Andrew? Yes. What do you think? Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I I will refrain from sharing or giving my take on what I think your take is on gear, and I will I will share what I think my takes tend to be. Is I tend to consciously or not lean into a overkill is the best kill kind of mentality oh yes you do don't you bigger better the most pedals i can fit on a board like that's at least naturally where i tend to gravitate to and being it forcing myself to be like okay do i really need eight overdrives on this board build uh it it, it tends to be like an exercise of self-control like andrew come on now come on you don't even have a buffer take take a breather uh and i also in the same mindset is i am also of the philosophy that I believe every single person should have a pedal on their pedal board that they don't know what to do with something that confounds them. They don't know how to apply into a song setting, but it's always just sitting there for the moment when you're like, wait a minute, what if I, and then the light bulb flicks on and you have that moment of inspiration and kind of expanding on your base of what you do as a musician. I'm a huge fan of kind of pushing the envelope in that aspect. So that's kind of how I tend to approach gear. Often to a detriment, I will be the first one to admit that, but that's just, that's where I go with it. Huh. And you? That's interesting. What do you do? I have a lot of pedals on my wall and about six on my pedal board. (laughs) Listen, I love pedals and I love having a lot of them. and I love being able to experiment sonically with things, but um, my main band, Sunday Crush, it's it just it doesn't need that much uh for me to fill the song the way i need to fill the song so i think i think that's why andrew is saying that i think he's saying that because i have just a a couple pedals on my board at one time and i i do my best to make that work but i love the experimental stuff i love hard panning and i love uh especially the very small builders. Like, um, I still think my favorite builder right now is Brian Sprague from Bookworm Effects. Yes. You sent me that wonderful reverb he makes. Uh, the Multicano, yeah. yeah. And I, I, I was aware of him, but I hadn't realized he made that pedal in particular. And 
Thank, thank you for that. That was a wonderful gift. Thank you. Yes, that was a inner circle secret yes, Santa. Sixty cycle hum for the listeners who may not be aware. But uh, yeah, it's, it's it's kind of interesting, and I try to avoid it on this show as much as possible. And it's not usually too difficult because I'm interviewing a guest that is not from our little podcast community. But we often, <laughs> I I think we oftentimes forget, like when listening to other podcasts, that. While our community on Facebook is really awesome and amazing, I forget how many people I have listening that aren't even involved in any of that at all. I get emails and stuff, yeah. and it's like, try to like keep the inside stuff to a minimum. But the truth is, if you guys aren't aware, uh, the Tone Mob and Get Offset and 60 Cycle Hum, we all kind of have, in the Gear Slum, we all have kind of this uh, this weird, I don't know what you would call it. It's like... A friendship. It's a friendship, but it's like there's like cross community. They're, they're all their own. They're yeah. they're all their own shows, very different from each other, and they all have Facebook groups. I think it, but it, there's a lot of crossover. Yeah, yeah. If there was a Venn diagram, I think that part in the middle that would be everybody would be bigger than you might expect. Yeah, it's kind of surprising when you really look at it. But for yeah, for the listeners that don't know, uh, hit us up on Facebook. There's the Tone Mob for this podcast and. Get offset for theirs. We're there. And you don't yeah. just have to talk this gear nonsense once a week with us. You can hop in there and we're there pretty much every day for the most part. Yeah. I think you you and Sixty Cycle Hum are on Mondays, I think. And then we're on Tuesdays. Gear Slum's on Thursdays. There's plenty of plenty of wonderfulness to spread around. Yeah, on that note, I think there are some people who uh, follow the Get Offset YouTube channel who don't realize that the podcast came first. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's... See, I super don't have that. I have a tiny YouTube channel, and uh, I think everyone that's following that is come has came from the podcast or from the groups or something. So, is that a weird experience? Mm -hmm. I, I'm sure Ryan from 60 Cycle Home has that in because he's got a big youtube channel now i'm guessing he has a lot oh, of i'm that. sure i'm sure he has a ton of it we've had a little um like atlanta pedal company reached out because they wanted to send us a pedal and i mentioned something about andrew and they're like who's andrew I'm like oh he's my podcast co-host and then he said oh i didn't i didn't know there was a podcast <laughs> <laughs> like oh man you should listen to the podcast it's I'm great just invisible <laughs> living in <the> shadows <laughs> Well, it's just, I think that, so I think of YouTube as being a search engine. Uh, so in my experience, like my most popular videos on YouTube all have a very high level of uh, people who search, find it through search versus finding it through having notifications turned on or finding it through social media. It's a very um, pool, what, what we call pool kind of marketing. So pool marketing is marketing where people come to you. Push marketing is where you push out to the other people. So in terms of marketing, I really do think of YouTube as primarily a search network. And that comes from my decade as a marketer. Is it sort of like you view it more as like a top of funnel type of thing if you were supposed to put it into those type of terms? Uh, yeah, uh, I would call it more mid funnel. Um, if you're looking at it from a purchasing perspective. Yeah. Uh, from a marketer. So uh, it would be, I think like if you're, if you're watching, if you're looking for demos of a product on YouTube, that means you've already heard of the product, which is the top of the funnel. Um, and if you're searching for it 
looking for demos of it, it means you're pretty much toward the bottom of the funnel and looking to make a final purchasing decision. Yeah, I was more viewing it through the lens of, like, say, a podcaster, uh, where, like... A podcaster is very tough. Yeah, so I'm, like, thinking, like, for me, like, my ultimate goal is to get somebody to subscribe to the podcast because they enjoy it. Like, that's that's what I want yeah. to happen. And so I kind of view my Instagram as being a quote-unquote top of funnel. That's where most people fi- found me initially, and that's where, mm-hmm. the, you know, I have my biggest reach is on Instagram. And so I, I kind of view that as my gateway drug, so to speak. Because there's definitely, I mean, you can kind of tell, there's way a whole bunch of people that follow me on Instagram that don't even know this show exists, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, same. It's, it's weird. Hard you know, it's, it's funny. Yeah. It's I funny think... that this we're talking about this because. Uh, so, uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm also the guy who owns Fox Cairo, uh, which is pedal toppers and uh, smaller operation. But even it, it comparison, like it's smaller than Get Offset is in terms of a follower base. But I still get people like uh, who all be messaging back and forth. I'm like, oh yeah, and then I'll talk. Uh, oh yeah, I mentioned that on the podcast. I'm like, wait, you run a podcast? I thought you're just the pedal topper guy. I'm like, oh. I just kind of assume that the thing I'm most known for is the podcast and kind of just assume that bleeds out. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, I definitely get the, on the other flip side, it's like, Oh, this, this, this Instagram channel has a, has a podcast. It's like, yeah, it's had one almost the whole time. (laughs) Like it's, People just like to double tap on the pictures. Of pretty I mean, I get it. I Can do that you blame too. them? They're no, pretty. no, no. I, I do it too. I just, I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's weird when you pour so much of yourself into something and you, a, a podcast is honestly, and I've talked to other people that feel the same. It's an oddly hard sell for people. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to get them to click over to a, a YouTube demo, for instance, that rather than, Hey, I'm talking to this person. You know, even it's like, I'm talking to one of your fit, my, your favorite artists. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I might listen to it. It's like weird to me. Yeah, I think I think there are podcast people who like to listen to podcasts and like like the same people who like to listen to talk radio, and then there are people who just that's not how they like to consume content. Wait, not everybody listens to NPR in their morning commute. Is that just me or? <laughs> it's funny you say NPR because my my experience of talk radio and when I say talk radio, I think of seven hundred WLW uh, in Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> like like not quite not quite like shock rock DJ kind of stuff, but. Still talk radio. It's just a bunch of dudes talking all, all day, every day for no, no reason. I'm pretty squarely on the jazz blues and NPR news. 88.5 KNKX. I haven't willingly turned on the radio in probably like seven years. Like I've, I've obviously listened to it. Like outside of the car or even in the in car, the car? I do not listen to the radio. I immediately am looking for uh, looking through Apple music. Like my, my process is I get in the car I queue up what I'm going to listen to, whether it's music or a podcast. I make sure it's connected. Then I leave. I do not. I do not wow. turn on terrestrial radio at all. It does n- nothing for well, me. What about satellite radio? I listen to satellite radio in the car pretty much exclusively. I do not have satellite radio, so therefore I would Ooh. not listen to it. See, I would never be able to, to discover music if I didn't like drive someplace every like week and a half or whatever because I don't, I don't get in the car much and driving is not my primary mode of transportation but uh i like it's how i discover new music is listening to serious xmu oh that's that's really interesting i honestly find most things through instagram 
It's how I find new bands. I don't think I don't think I've ever found a band through Instagram. I do title title playlist a lot, um, but I don't do Spotify Radio because I don't do Spotify because I'm also a musician. And wow, they pay a lot less than title pays. They pay a lot less than everyone, right? Isn't that the, the deal? Aren't they the lowest? I don't know. Uh, they're among the lowest, but they have the highest volume, which does kind of make up for it. But if everyone who used Spotify switched over the title, artists would make at least twice as much money. Well, that would be nice, wouldn't it? I'm on. And it's the same amount of money to join those. I'm platforms. on Apple Music. So, oh, I don't know where that slots in. I should take a look at that. I could look um, on to see my numbers, but I don't get a lot of plays on Apple Music. I get like two or three a week. It's kind of it's kind of weird because Apple. Spotify never really appealed to me, but as soon as Apple Music came out, I was like, sure, I'm, I'm in on that. But I guess that's just because I, it was just kind of seamless. I guess that's how Apple does things. Yeah. Yeah. And Spotify saying they can't pay artists for money and then they turn around and give Joe Rogan $100 million. Yeah. That's kind of an interesting move, isn't it? What do you think that's going to do for, like, oh, for podcasting in general? Oh, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't understand. Did Joe Rogan ever have like a real radio show or did he just kind of, is he just kind of like Howard Stern, but for podcasts? As far as I know, he never had a radio show. He obviously did Fear Factor and UFC stuff, but I think his podcast largely started with just for him and his buddies smoking weed and talking. I think that's all it is. Uh, I mean, well, he also did, he had some stand up comedies. Uh, He did some, well, some work there. Um, did he do the insomniac thing, or was that David? That was David Tell. Yeah, that was David Tell. I don't know why I get. I don't know why I get them confused. But I've I only do. watched a little bit of a, of a Joe Rogan stand up, and I just remember getting to the point where he's talking about how intelligent dolphins were, and if only they could talk, and just thinking to myself, "Man, I am not high enough to enjoy this." <laughs> yeah, I've watched a little bit of his comedy. Yeah. It's I don't like him that well as a comedian. I have. I have really enjoyed some of his interviews, though. I think he's he's developed into a good interviewer because he's done it however many thousand times. But I'm more curious about how how him moving over to Spotify, if it, anything, is going to shape the podcasting industry. I wonder what that's going to do. I don't know. I mean, you've seen these brands like Wondery and Gimlet become an exactly right media, kind of become these podcaster homes. Um, I think, I think it will eventually lead to just more commercials in podcasts for sure, or moving over to a paid model to avoid commercials, kind of a la Hulu. Uh, so that's, that's where I think it would probably end up going. Like if somebody started a, uh, sort of music based podcast network and asked us to join, I'd, I'd probably consider it really, really, really consider it. <laughs> It's uh, that's funny that, that you mentioned that because that's something I've been working on, but more on that later. <laughs> so, uh, but it's it's really it's it's difficult to to pinpoint. Podcasting is such a weird medium. We know it's powerful. It's obviously impacted us in a lot of ways. Like I don't know, I've gotten to do some amazing things as a result of the podcast that I never would have gotten to do otherwise. Mm-hmm. Have you gotten to oh, like? Same. What's the coolest thing you guys have been exposed to? Um, I think probably going to NAM and Summer NAM and interviewing uh, the CMO offender is a big one. Um, 
I think probably more has come from starting the the YouTube demos. So I, I guess I can go ahead and punt this one over to Andrew and see if he has a different. I know he went to Winter Nam. I this did year. go to Winter Nam, and I got to do some awesome interviews. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know if I could really pin down what the coolest thing I've done is. Uh, I, maybe if let me start with this. I was blown out of the water when we were able to interview Matthew Hoops within the first couple months that we started. And the reason for that is I grew up being a, you know, goody good Christian kid, but also with like a little bit of an edge in liking rock and roll. I grew up listening to Reliant K. And I know a lot of other people oh, right. a lot of other people did. And Matthew Hoops is the guitar player for Reliant K. And that was one of the main like influences for me as a musician early on. And so I remember sitting on this episode, like about to pee myself, not and kind of forgetting the whole, like Matthew, he's just a human, uh, not like to downplay anything, but like the kind of like the whole like human element. I'm like, this is like one of my like all time favorite human people in the world and kind of got caught up in that. And I was like, it doesn't get any better than that. And the more I'm digging into to this whole podcast. That was like our sixth episode. It was something super early on. And again, another great example of someone being like, sure, I'll do it. Like, tell me when and where let's do this. Like, by all means, I'd love to help you guys out. I thoroughly enjoyed that interview. It gave me a really great chance to drop in a whole bunch of Reliant K uh, lyric quotes. Uh, I really thoroughly enjoyed myself. And since then, I've got to meet Matt a couple more times and de- develop a little bit more of a friendship. And he's just a really great guy that I really enjoy the, the company of. And kind of moving forward there's been several moments like am i really like robert keely i, t- I ran into robert keely at nam and i'd be like hey can i talk to you for a minute and uh, can i interview you real quick and i felt bad because i was be- he was on his way to a cigarette break it was between him and his smoke break and that's not a great position to- and he was still incredibly gracious <laughs> uh wow yeah i wouldn't get i wouldn't I was get between a smoker and their, their smoke I, break. I, I blame Blake for this. Cause I just talked to him and I just, cause I ran into Blake on day one and I was uh, like, dude, he's, we ran into each other at the reaver booth and he's like, how are you doing? I'm like, I don't belong here. And I was like, not actually on the verge of tears, but internally I was starting to get there in terms of like the, Oh my goodness. There's so many people here whose work I admire. I respect whose work I've been following for a long time that have been inspirations and reasons for me to dip my toes into this industry uh, in some very meaningful ways. I was just very overwhelmed by that. And he's like, you know what? You just, people want to be talked to go up and talk to them. And so I saw Robert Keeley walking and I didn't really click with me that he was walking towards the smoke pit, but I'm just sitting here like, well, Blake told me to do it and just to, to not back down and not be scared. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Uh, so ended up doing that, but he was incredibly gracious with me. And like, I got to be like, Hey, so tell, tell me, where did you go to high school? And he's like, well, I went to Kaiser Slotin American. And it was that point where I got to say, I graduated from Kaiser Slotin American high school too, because Robert Keeley, Keeley and I went to the same high school. Uh, it, it just moments like that, where I'm just completely blown away by how neat this industry is. It makes it really hard for me to pin down the, like, what's the coolest thing you've done because everything's so, it sounds like such a boy scout answer. Everything is so neat in its own right. It's just made, brought me to my knees in humility and just been really appreciative of everyone involved. Yeah. That's one of the big things that I've taken away from this, this whole project. It's like, I've gotten to talk to some of my literal musical heroes on the podcast now. And like some of them have become, you know, like friends, like we text each other now. And I'm like, I don't know if, and I'm like trying not to 
be weird about it, but it's like, you don't understand. Like, I love your music. <laughs> like, love, love, love your music before I ever knew you as a person. And you, it, it, it gives you that chance to like see behind the curtain where it's like, everyone is just a person. Everyone, it, you, it's hard. It's hard to not, you know, with, for people like us who are so passionate about music, it's hard to not put certain people up on these imaginary pedestals. But they are just flesh and bone, just like we are. And they most, for the most part, they want to be treated that way. They don't want. They want to just make yeah. music because they love making music. They don't want you to think that they're some golden god. Hmm. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, I've I've definitely experienced experienced that with people too. But um, yeah, I know Andrew was a a big Reliant K fan and just was shocked when I reached out to Matt Hoops and he was like, I yeah. was too scared to do yeah. it myself. I'm like, you know, you ask him. Nope, I don't want. It. No, you it's ask also him. also doing a podcast podcast isn't a big ask. And I was really excited when earlier this year we got to have Charlie Bliss on our show because that was a band that I was able to uh, share very, very special moments with um, back last summer uh, with, with some family, mem- family members and, and also my husband uh, who's a big fan. So that was, that was really great to be able to talk to them. And then I had their guitarist Spencer on um, the Instagram live for us where uh, he kind of was showing everybody through me how to play different riffs from their band and, it's people are more more accessible than, than you think, and if you just be cool and are um, respectful of their time and energy, it, it goes a long way. I found. Yeah, and I mean, let's be honest. Like, <laughs> we like to talk about ourselves a little bit. That's like, that's like part of a, being a, a podcaster. And then, like these artists, want to, they don't get to tell their whole tale through the music they do there, there might be some things they want to elaborate on or get off their chest or, you know, turns out a lot of them are just gear nerds, just like us. Who would have thought that musicians are just like other musicians? It's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Some of them are gear nerds and some of them are like, I don't want to talk about guitars. <laughs> yeah. I've, I haven't really ran into that very much, but I, I, I try to ask people that seem like they want to talk about guitars, if that makes any sense. It's like mm-hmm. if they're regularly posting oh, yeah. their pedals or even semi-regularly, it's kind of like, okay, I think this guy likes this stuff. Like I, I we're going to yeah. have a connect here. That seems like the kind of guy yeah. I can get nerdy with. Mm-hmm. Or not. Sometimes we just yeah. go off in the weeds. <laughs> that's fun too. I like just going. Talk about Traeger. Talk about Traeger. Yeah. Or whatever. Oh man. That's one of my great passions. <laughs> to talk about. You know, that's one of my, that's one of my clients. Really Traeger? What do you do yeah. for them? I've done I've done some work I've done some. Oh, that's so them. cool! Some I I love my Traeger deeply and passionately. <laughs> it's, I know I know more about Prime Rib than I ever thought I'd know because of uh, writing an article for that's Traeger. That's fantastic. I'm not far off from being mm-hmm. convinced that I absolutely have to buy one, and you guys aren't helping. I want to buy one. Yeah, I I would I would kind of like to buy one, but. My husband doesn't love meat the way that I really love meat. It's great for veggies. uh, I just don't know if it would be the most... That's true. And baked goods. You can bake on triggers, which I think is just the coolest thing in the world. We cook almost everything on a trigger. Like... You can do a pan of brownies on a trigger. You can do all your vegetables on mm -hmm. a trigger. You can do pizza on the Mm -hmm. trigger. 
Yeah, you can do pizza mm-hmm. on a Traeger. I've been wanting to just put a Papa Murphy's pizza on a Traeger so bad. It's fantastic. It really is. Mm. It, it, it's so much better than, than a regular oven Papa Murphy's. I can't even tell you. It's Which is already it. phenomenal. It's so much more flavor. It's one of the pizza chains that I, in my humble opinion, think don't get enough love. I agree with you. I also think you can just buy you can just buy pre-made crusts and all the ingredients at the Kroger for less, but that's just me. I'm just Yeah, I've never had a great experience with those. I mean, they're okay, but some of them are better than others. Uh, my husband and I, we get this kind of roll out. It, it creates kind of this rectangular sheet of dough. So more of like a, I think they would call it like Sicilian mm-hmm. style. And it's, it's great. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I also have. It's right next to the uh, biscuit, like the pre-made biscuits okay. and stuff. I mean, have you guys seen those? Speaking of, you know, cooking and stuff. Have you seen those uni ovens? Mm-mm, they're no. like a that sounds familiar. Yeah, they're like a wood fired pizza oven. They're small. You can put, like put it on a tabletop, and you load it with pellets just like a Traeger. But it works off of like how they have the venting done. It like creates an air draw, and it gets like right. I can't remember how hot. It gets crazy hot. You you cook a pizza in just like a couple minutes. Oh, I think I I saw something like that on Shark Tank. It may and now we're cooking with fire. It makes yeah exactly. Now we're cooking with pure heat. The listeners uh, of the podcast actually got together and bought bought it for me. And so thank you guys. Yeah. <gasps> it was so nice that of them. Shout out to Tom <laughs> Kelly. Shout out to everybody who did that. This, I appreciate it so much. Oh, Tom's great. Isn't Tom one of Tom our? Tom is, yeah. yeah. Tom also supports our show. He's a lovely human being. Uh, Tom sent me a, a taster test, um, like a blind taste test of six different scotches. That's the man. Mm-hmm. It, it just completely blew me out of the water. Uh, I ended up doing drinking a little, not all of them, uh, just a little bit out of each of them during an episode uh, about a month ago now. And that was a fun episode. I was a little toasty by the end of it. But it was a good time. <laughs> of course. That's the best way to be. Well, since there's two of you, we better get into the classic questions section of the podcast before we got to wrap this thing up. So... Uh, it doesn't matter who goes first, but either one of you. Uh, actually, first things first is this is your chance to plug stuff. Anything you want to say, get off your chest, or anything you want to put out there in the world, now is the a prime opportunity. Yeah. Cool. My band Sunday Crush is releasing our debut full-length album on uh, June 20th on Donut Sounds Records. And please go buy it. Support support music. Support it, please. Also, follow us, uh, subscribe on YouTube, and uh, please subscribe on iTunes to uh, get offset. And in my little world, I mentioned earlier that I am the owner, proprietor, general hype man of Fox Cairo pedal toppers. Uh, if you're not familiar with the product, what I make is essentially a printed grip tape that glows in the dark which means your foot's never going to slip on it if you're using it the right way. If it glows in the dark, one that appeals to like my inner four-year-old, which I particularly love, but also stage safety, I think is incredibly important. And having something that big uh, glow in the dark, I think is just actually really practical. And then the fact that it's, I can do full color, whatever you want. Uh, the custom aspect of it means you get a chance to express yourself in uh, meaningful ways. So it, send me an email, whatever. The most exciting thing that I've got that is either about to drop or has dropped when this episode comes out 
is something I don't think any other topper company has done before. I could be wrong in this and feel free to correct me, but I haven't seen anyone do a topper for the Helix floor unit, which is especially exciting for me. So if you're familiar with the Helix floor on the, on the left side of the treadle, the, the, the grip tape kind of folds over the edge at a 90 degree angle, which looks super slick in just the right out of the box experience. But I'm able to do pedal toppers for that now. And I am so excited about this. The, uh, the demo artist, uh, Joshua Nysang from Nysang Creations uh, has been doing the demo work for me on that. And the pictures I just got today just completely blow my mind. It looks better than anything I could have ever dreamed for. So I've been, I've been giddy jumping up and down for the last 24 hours. Check it out. Uh, give me a follow. If it's for you, I would love to work with you and make that dream come true. Perfect. Making dreams come true. I like it. Okay, next question. Both of you. What's your favorite boss pedal? I am currently feeling so hardcore the SY1, the synthesizer oh, yeah. pedal. Um, it is essential to my Gigs of Sunday Crush now. Um, I've been trying to find a pedal for for months that got in just this right part in this one song, this beautiful kind of chime sound. And I had tried a bunch of things. And after every gig, my singer was like, I don't like that. Or I don't like that. Or I don't think that's right. I got the SY1. Solved my problems. Very nice. My, my world has turned around in a great way. And you know what? It's just fun. And it, it's a, they picked a nice color for that one, too. I really like how that pedal looks. Yeah. That glittery mm-hmm. blue. And I remember seeing some, I think it was a reverb sale posting. Do you remember where a guy said he didn't, he bought it? thinking that his wife wouldn't notice that he bought a new pedal because it was blue, like another pedal he had already had. And when he asked how she knew it was a new one, when she got mad at him for spending money that he said he wouldn't spend, he's like, how'd you know? And she's like, because this one has glitter, dummy. <laughs> like, wow, he doesn't know women if he doesn't think a woman will will see a speck of glitter that's not supposed to be there from 100 yeah, feet away. Like, yeah, he that guy was not <laughs> using his head. In many ways, no. <laughs> that's uh, when we that's, can see we can see glitter. We can see glitter when it involves our men so much more quickly than you think that we would. It's a bold move, Cotton. Let's see how this plays out. Let's see if it pays off for me. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with a discontinued boss pedal, much to the chagrin of everyone. Uh, I would love if they brought this one back. The boss P and two. God. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't think you were actually going to say that. Oh my yes, god! The Boss PN2 <laughs> is, uh, I think, one of the coolest pedals that Boss has put out ever. Not only is, is the color just—I mean, who doesn't l- love like a seafoam green? It's just a gorgeous color. But like, I can't believe—I still am in full disbelief to this day that they swapped out, like they replaced the stereo pan trem with the mono tr2 and the tr2 don't get me wrong it sounds great it is a staple tremolo for so many reasons but the the stereo ability of the pn2 and just everything about it inspires me on so many levels and i don't know i mentioned this before i love bigger and better i love multi-amp rigs i love stereo rigs wet dry wet dry wet and just the opera like the ways that i can fit that into so many different fun wall of sound kind of rigs is just so up my alley so, yeah, they they need to do a Waza PN2 with like different waveforms. That's a that's a hill I will die on. Yeah, I that's definitely something I can get behind and would spend Waza money also, for. Also, I 
I also I thought you were going to say Dynacomp or something. I don't know why. <laughs> That's MXR. Come on. <laughs> no, doesn't don't does uh Boss not have some sort of version of a Dynacomp? Is it the CS or compressor sustainer? Is it CS2? Yeah, right? so they've got a couple different compressor options, but yeah. Dyna Drive, Dyna Drive. That's what I meant to say. The Dyna Drive, the DN2. No, I was not going to say the Dyna Drive. I've never actually had one. If we're going to talk Boss overdrives, it's only it's only fifty dollars. We're gonna talk boss overdrives and distortions. One of my favorite sleepers is the boss BN2, uh, which is their like their rough emulation of a dimed AC30, and it just to me it screams pop punk in a box. I plug it in, I dime everything, and just chug out good Charlotte riffs, and it's just it's so good. They have so many pedals that dime. I I don't I can't remember all of them. Like, I don't, <laughs> there's probably one out there that I would like even better than like my, like I'm always waffling between the BF2 and the DS1. And uh, there's probably ones I would like even better, but there are so many. It's such a deep rabbit hole to get into. Yes, yes. it is. And I have head over shoulders dove in. It's fantastic. Dude, stop saying head over shoulders. <laughs> Nobody says that. Head over heels. Da, da, See, da, I was da. I was self-conscious that I'd said it a couple of times before, but the moment you made fun of me for it means I'm going to double down and just keep saying it. I think Head Over Heels is my favorite song by the Go-Go's. And Kathy Valentine wrote that. It is a good tune. With Charlotte It is definitely Kathy. a good tune. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So good. Underrated. All right. We're into the final question. You guys knew this was coming. What's what's your pizza preferences? Hit me with them. Columbus style cracker crust pizza cut into squares, uh, preferably Flyers pizza. Um, that's that's the one I had a lot. Uh, Donatos in a pinch, and Donatos when you're in Cincinnati or anywhere that has Donatos, 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 Marion's pizza, Flyers. Yes, I have never had Donatos. I, I've only seen pictures of it. Oh, so, so good. So good. Crust to crust. They call it to the edge. Oh, my gosh. And they have those little pepperonis that just kind of curl up mm. with the heat and have and become little, like, little, just little saucers holding the grease. And you're like, ah, yes. Yeah, I'm about that. I'm really about the little Ooh, ronies. The, the crunch on. It's, it's kind of like a tavern-style pizza, but even crispier on the bottom. Oh, This sounds good. It sounds like my kind of thing. I have just I have no experience. Yeah, I have a little, I have so many feelings. <laughs> All right. So, Blake, how, how do you feel about a two-parter answer from me? That's fine. As long as neither of those parts are St. Louis-style pizza, I'm fine with it. I don't even know what that is. I'm going to intentionally... It has Provel cheese, and it's and that's, that, that crap's like Play-Doh. You buy it, and you buy Provel cheese, and it looks like it's been piped through a meat grinder. It's very bad. Me. I live by it. I am going I to intentionally like not say whether or not that's one of the options, just to so Emily's on the edge of her seat waiting to scream. Uh, so, so two parts here. The number one part is going to be the best pizza I have had in my life, which I don't think is ever likely to be repeatable without having to do some serious travel. And it's a very specific, like I remember how this you ever take a bite of something and you just like immediately the memory locks in of like, Oh, I'm going to remember this for a long time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. One of those moments I was. So I mentioned before that I went to Kaiser Slaughter American high school. I moved there for my senior year of high school. My dad was military. And uh, so we, I just uprooted uh, my life from Southern California and moved it to, to Germany. And 
one of the benefits of going to high school in Germany is when, you know, the church does like a spring break trip. That means we're driving to Italy. So we drove down to a beachside resort on the northeast coast of Italy and just the small little town. It wasn't anything terribly touristy. Uh, and when I say beachside resort, it was just one of those like someone at a church bought it a couple decades ago and it was just kind of barely holding together. No one really knows about it. Anyways, we'd take, I'd taken the afternoon to go find lunch in the little sleepy seaside village in Italy and stopped at this pizza, this pizza joint. And I remember them like sitting outside in the chair and there's the canal, like we were, there's like right canal side. There's just tons of fishing ships and whatnot. And just the smell of the sea air and brought out the pizza. It was just a margarita pizza, nothing special, just exactly in the purest form of what pizza could be. I remember taking a bite. It was just that perfect, like thin crust with the right balance of crust sauce and cheese and basil that just, it just, sometimes it hits like that. There's no beating that. I, However, I understand now that you're is making very, me hungry. That's a very unrealistic expectation to set for any and all pizzas. And I have to respect the diversity of pizzas in general. So this is another part where I call back. You guys are all getting to know me. Overkill is the best kill in general. It's going to be a very long episode, Blake. In general, I don't like <laughs> if, a pizza, if a pizza has nothing but cheese on it. I'm like, why? Why? Like, why not have more toppings? I want all of the toppings. It's like having 30 petals on a board. Any, like, I, I will go to a pizza place and look look wow. for something with, like, the most toppings, just, like, the most obnoxious. This is just going to be an absolute monster of a pizza. And the diversity of flavors that come into that, all about. I don't have any specifics. I just like lots of toppings. I'm going to tell you, it's, like, a lot harder to write 200 words succinctly, succinctly than it is to write 10,000 words. <laughs> And that's how I feel about pizza. I used to think like you, Andrew. Uh, I don't know. Have you ever been to New York City? Just just curious. Ooh. I have not. Okay. So I used yeah, to. New York cheese slice, so, bro. I mean, I, I understand. Like, I, I used to be like, put on, uh, you, you know, you didn't hear me. I said put on all of the meat that you have. <laughs> all of it. And so, I, I and I still like that occasionally. But going to New York and having a good slice of cheese. My friend Leon went there and he's like, you know, you got to go and have, I'm like, really just cheese. Really? He's like, dude, just hey, do you got to You got to walk before you run. And baby. I did it. And I was like, I understand now. I understand. Mm. It changed everything. And there's actually a pizza place here in town. Portland actually secretly, it's starting to be less secret, but it has really good. You pizza. got some great we pizza. Some good pizza. What's that place on Hawthorne? Um, Mm. By the by the by the video oh, game oh, place uh, on Hawthorne that Pizza Shoals the Pizza, pizza Shoals, Shoals is, pizza is Shoals. solid I like that one yes my favorite really that in the city is is actually one called uh, Checkerboard Pizza and Ooh. Jess and I went there my good friend Justin Porter for people who have listened to that episode uh, we went there because we were like we want we're gonna try all like our 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 favorite New York or the Portland's favorite New York style. Uh, pizzas. So we went there and we got one that sounded just tremendous. It was like this sausage and fennel slice. And I was like, and we got to get the cheese. We got to see what's up. The Yes. The, you have to, you have to, if you can't do a good cheese slice, you can't do anything that's else. That's right. 
And I, we both ate the, the, the cheese slice and we're like, this is an incredible pizza. This is so good. And then we ate the sausage and fennel one. We're like, this is good, but I wish we had ordered two slices of cheese. It's sometimes yeah. it just hits like that. So I mean, give it a chance. Look, I, I, I am happy to give it a chance and I, I often do. And I'm happy to be wrong. And I'm looking forward to the day that it sliced the cheese blows my mind. I haven't been there yet. It, and it will likely happen at some point in time. I mean, I'm happy to be wrong. I'm always happy to be wrong. I, I don't have much of an ego that that needs to be like supported with the, I have to double down all the time on everything. So like, look, if you can point me in the right direction, I'll happily go there. But in between now and then, I'm just going to stick to overkill is the best kill. That's never failed. It really has never failed me. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, I'm young. I, you guys are all older than me. You okay. are. Oh, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> how, how, wait, how? I thought we were like the same age. How old are you, Andrew? You and I are the same age, Blake, I think. I'm I'm 31. Uh, I'm 31. Yeah. I'm 25. He's a baby. Oh, you are a baby. You're yeah, baby. I'm just a baby. So and I'm not, I'm not, he's baby. <laughs> I'm not trying to make that a dig. I'm really not. If I wanted to make a dig, I, I would be incredibly rude and mean about it. I mean this in the most gracious way possible. You guys have more life experience than me. And I, I really do trust and respect what you have to say. You got to get a New York style, a real New York style slice. Oh man. Andrew. Oh, it's, it's a game changer. I, 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 there was a Blake before I went to New York and a Blake after, and those are two different pizza, yeah. pizza people. And that's how I feel about Italy. I remember when I, I mean, I've had Italian pizza also, and I would take New York pizza any day. I've not been to Italy, so I'm glad to travel there someday and find out for myself. You should. Yeah, when all this is over. (laughs) Yes, yes. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for having us. Yeah. yeah. I, I had an absolute blast this afternoon. I've really enjoyed this whole experience. Getting to talk to, getting to, talk to you for an afternoon. This has been radical. Radical. Well, it's the most people I've talked to at once for an, any amount of time in a very long time. Yeah. No, please don't leave. Don't leave. I need to talk to people. Oh, if you want to talk to people, we can uh, stick around and do a little Patreon action if you want. Ooh, yeah, totally. Right. Well, let's wrap this one up then. So for Andrew and Emily, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. There you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Emily and Andrew. You can check their podcast out wherever you listen to this podcast. In the same places, just search the Get Offset podcast. And don't forget about our giveaway with the MTG tube tremolo pedal. You can go to welovelakestreet.com or thelegalrightscenter.org or both. Donate and send your receipts to pedalgiveaway at gmail.com for your chance to win. A huge thank you in advance. I know Minneapolis thanks you as well got a lot of friends there and i know we've got listeners there so i'm really excited to be able to offer a hand in a small way so thank you thank you thank you and thank you for tuning in i will talk to you all next week one last thing before we totally sign off here i just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at stringjoy that's stringjoy guitar strings made in nashville that will help me out as well as i've said for years i'm heavily involved in that company And I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com slash StringJoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things. And 
by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.